flag on the play. Fair Attempted enough. murder, eight year sentence. <laughs> <laughs> now, does that Automatic count, first down. Does, does that count as one flag or eight flags? Reporters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. It's uh, week fourteen. We're getting to the business end. We kind of have separated the people who will be playing in the early part of next year from the people who won't be. And unfortunately, we're going to be discussing all of them. So uh, hop on board. So hey, we got Connor here. We've got Harry. Hello. And we've got Ronan. Hello. How we get on, lads? Any crack? I'm tired. I got sent home from work for being exhausted. Solid. Beautiful bit of capitalism there. <laughs> Compassionate capitalism, my friend. Mm, good God. Yeah, I'm right. What about yourself, Ronan? How's all down in Cork? Uh, pretty good. Man United won, who I support in soccer. Seattle Seahawks are well on their way to the playoffs in all of my fantasy playoffs as well. And it's all sorry to bother you, which was really good this weekend. So, pretty just chill, relaxed, winning weekend. Very Be- good. Beating Fulham doesn't count. <laughs> winning a game winning a game competently and comfortably is just so not United like that <laughs> I'm happy just to get any win like that won't. yeah fairly relaxed one I've been kind of flat to the mat for the last couple of weeks so I was in doing assignments this week had my Christmas party on Friday forgot my bag in the pub went back and found it in the pub today so that was good that was a roller coaster, a real wild ride uh, there, Connor, yeah. it was not in the last pub it was in the second to last pub we visited I was not sure which one it had been left in but yeah all good in the end up so, do you know, do you know what's really difficult? Going into a pub and say, uh, I think I left my bag here. And say, well, what's it look like? It's, it's black and it's a normal bag and there's no design, no, no defining features at all because it's from pennies. I can tell you what's inside it. Uh, there's a notepad and uh, <laughs> a uh, scarf. We've had a bag to match the description, but it's just full of dildos. Yeah. Oh, that's that's definitely not my one. <laughs> Nothing confidential there. No scandal on the way. No, no. Thankfully, I didn't have anything of note in it because I had a I had a half idea in the back of my head that I might forget it at some point. <laughs> but yeah, we'll fly on into the news and we'll start with probably some of the main stories this week. Uh, Oakland have fired GM Reggie McKenzie. This comes after two poor seasons and essentially John Gruden coming in and turning it into the John Gruden show. This was expected and rumored, and apparently what had been said was they were going to allow him to maybe see at the end of the year and then leave at that point but he's decided to not do that and said as much to a group of the scouts and whatnot on his staff before departing so he came in after the Hugh Jackson era they had some bad contracts see this is this is a part where we disagree a little bit because I think Ronan believes that he did a, a pretty good job of turning this roster around I'm not sure he did that good a job turning the roster around to be honest with the exception of one year where they had an uptick they've been a terrible team for essentially 12 or 13 years at this point but yeah, like overall, bad year this year. They traded away a couple of their key pieces, which I'll be honest, I don't think I'm going to put on McKenzie. I think those were at least 50%, if not more, coming from Gruden and his plan to restaff over the next 10 years with his $100 million contract. <laughs> but this means that obviously they are going to bring in someone who's going to sit well with, with Gruden for the next while. Overall, do we think this is a good, bad or indifferent move from Oakland? It was an inevitable move. Uh, yes, it's true. We've kind of known this is coming. Like, the Raiders are all in on John Gruden, for better or worse, so having Reggie McKenzie around as kind of a vestigial, like, part from the previous organization was always going to end in tears. I've always made loads of jokes about it, uh, both times that we had previews what we expected this season, both before and mid-season. And things can now officially not get any worse for Reggie McKenzie because he is leaving the Oakland Raiders, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders. Like, I think, you know, just in terms of the debate of whether he did a good job or not, 
I think like it's hard to overestimate how difficult a job he had coming in, having to inherit a Hugh Jackson roster. <laughs> you know, after trading a first for Carson Palmer to the to the to the Bengals, having multiple like terrible contracts. I think Alden Smith was one of them at the time, and I think like the most dead money, like fifty million in dead cap space, and then more of it as he had to cut those players. So I think like was it a situation where he ended up building a great roster? Probably not. There was a bit of bad luck there, I think, to a certain extent, with Derek Carr's injury. Like, he hasn't really been the same player since then. And if you look at some of the top picks he had, Barry Cooper, Derek Carr, uh, Khalil Mack, these are all good picks. So I think, for me, Reggie McKenzie, yes, I don't know if he's an elite GM, but he's certainly one of the, you know, not terrible GMs out there in the league. And I expect to see him get picked up pretty quickly, perhaps on an interim basis to the end of the season. Uh, on a consulting basis and then likely as a GM somewhere else in the league it just happens to be that he was in the way of the John Gruden uh, steamroller and not many people end up surviving that it seems in the new Raider organisation yeah I'm just I'm trying to go through his his draft picks here so if Khalil Mack fall on his, uh, in his lap in the first round of one of them and then he got Derek Carr in the third like I'm not seeing much else at all like even their other like Amari Cooper is no longer with the team. They traded him. They did get a good thing for him. Carl Joseph, like Vandal Alexander. Everyone taking a seventh round pick and complaining about his quality. Yeah. G <laughs> had Ward. Yeah, like, not, okay. Guy, <laughs> cool names. These guys have cool names. Like I'm not saying he was a great GM, but I'm just saying like he did a good job in terms of over like turning over a roster that needed so much and not being attached to the past. Uh, and then having some decent picks, at least with his high picks. Like, anything beyond the third round is really just a crapshoot. So, they, I don't any GM for missing a lot of those teams. They did have, he did build the best O-line in the league for, like, three weeks. Yeah, that was a great three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I remember they were, like, poaching pieces off us, and we are like, well, we're, we're not going to pay them, like, 14 million a year. Work away. Work. But, yeah, so we'll be moving on. Uh, replacements for him. I imagine they're probably going to go a bit old school on this because Gruden is an old school kind of guy. He wants someone who will draft two fullbacks in the first and second round, you know? He wants someone who will just listen to him. Yeah, that's true. Do you have anyone in mind who you think they might look at, or is it just a, a spot of C? Is it, yeah. is it, is it going to be just purely a matching them to, to, uh, to Gruden's personality? John Gruden in a fake, fake moustache. <laughs> yeah, it could happen. Would like would they would they consider just giving him GM control? I mean, this point, I mean, that's where it's going to me. Like, he clearly wants it. Yeah. So at best, I agree with you. They're just going to get a yes man. Mm. I don't think Gruden wants anyone who'll stand up with him or challenge the way he does things. And I think the Raiders are, as an organization, all in on Gruden for better or for worse. It's for worse. Yeah. Well, spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert, guys! It hasn't gone well. But uh, yeah, I I don't think they're going to bring in anyone, any big names or anything like that. Yeah. Like, famously, he brought in his entire basic scouting room with him when he became coach. That's not really the move of someone who considers himself just a coach. That's someone who yeah. thinks of himself as a general manager as well. No, of course. Other movements in the front offices. Minnesota fired their offensive coordinator, John DeFilippo, after a loss to Seahawks on Monday Night Football. And a number of quite poor offensive showings, uh, just thinking back to that Pills game. So their in- interim offensive coordinator and play caller is going to be their quarterback's coach, Kevin uh, Stefanski. So this is... That's Russian for Kevin Stevenson. Stevenson. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like, it, it was an interesting one. This came from, obviously, the highly touted Eagles offense. Head coach Mike Zimmer kind of let them run with it, but apparently was not a fan of them not getting more use out of their running backs and stuff going very pass-happy. Like, I don't know, one, whether this is a move that will actually allow them to make any push for a wild card or anything at the moment. But also, like, 
realistically, this was a very highly sought-after offensive coordinator. Is the limitations his scheme or is the limitations... Because we saw good performances at times out of this offense, but then we've also seen them just not be able to do much down the stretch. And I don't know if... Because I don't know about yourselves, I put at least a bit of that on Kirk Cousins because I don't think he's that good. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have agreed with you at the start of the season, but I think I'm coming around to your way of thinking on this. I, I'm a bit confused by Zimmer's approach because I'm like, look, you're running back really that good like you have two of the best wide receivers in the league you have a very good tight end you've got like Aldrich Robinson as well as I think he catches touchdowns like it's an odd one insofar as that and then you obviously bring in the QB coach because you're happy with your QB plays so you fire a defensive coordinator I've never understood that move yeah but uh, it went so well at Jacksonville as we suspected but there's a real yeah there's a real thing here it's like I know Zimmer wants to play like old school Mike Zimmer football but I'm like I don't think the team is really built to do that at the moment and you have to consider, yeah, Kirk Cousins has struggled, but the O-line he was behind could not pass block or run block. Mm-hmm. So I think having a more run-heavy offense and changing the way they played really wouldn't have affected it. The problem is that when you are paying Kirk Cousins as much as you're paying Kirk Cousins, you expect him to be able to overcome those limitations. And I wouldn't go as far as to say that Kirk Cousins isn't very good, but Kirk Cousins is not good enough to be like your elite quarterback who can play well while they're constantly under pressure. And that's where we've seen the limitations. So I think it, to an extent, it's not necessarily entirely on DiFilippo. But ultimately, if you have this much money sunk into your skill position players, you're meant to be able to work around the personnel weaknesses that you have. And the Vikings failed to do that catastrophically. And we saw Cousins, we saw it again this week, just melt down when he's put under, under pressure in games. So yeah, I think there's a fair bit of blame to go around. I don't think it's as simple as just pointing to one person or the other. But I can see why this, when you've got this much money and this much talent locked up, I can see why the OC is going to be the first guy to go yeah, when no, you fail like this. Like, this is the thing. I think I mentioned some of these beforehand, but it's just to, just to state, like, some of the Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. stuff, right? His record in primetime games is 5-13. and 13. His record against winning teams of his career is 4-24. and 24. His record against winning teams this year is 0-5. And, and his career road record is 12-23-2. This is not a guy you should be spending 90-plus million dollars building a franchise around. But he did play in Washington for all of those games. But regardless of what you do in this situation, you are locked into that guy for the next two years. So whatever you're doing on offense... And whatever you're doing with these coaching hires has to be something based around him. Yeah, you don't want to be in a situation where you end up in like massive coaching turnover for those three years. Because then you never get the consistency that somebody like that needs to succeed. I agree. I think one thing to note is that, like, obviously, as we mentioned, Mike Zimmer has a very hands-off approach to the offense, which is probably a weakness as a head coach that he's not really willing to get stuck in there. And he's generally relied on kind of veteran OCs like North Turner and Pat Shermer to kind of do that for him. John Filippo had no experience as a defensive coordinator. Obviously, he came from a highly touted offense, but a lot of the people they brought in as coaches weren't his coaches either underneath him. Like Kevin Stefanski is someone who's been around the Minnesota organization for multiple years at various positions, QB coach, tight end coach, etc. And it kind of feels like Mike Zimmer, this might have been imposed from the front office. They said, here's an exciting OC, see how he does. Zimmer's like, okay, whatever, we'll see how it works. And now Mike Zimmer's like, no, I want a guy I know has run an offense that I like before and give this young guy a chance who, who I trust. And maybe he'll run the type of offense that I want with the run heavy and stuff like that. I think it doesn't speak well to Mike Zimmer as an organizational head coach that this has happened. And uh, The Minnesota Vikings, they still have a bit of time to get to the playoffs, but uh, it isn't hopeful for them really making a push uh, postseason, even if they make it there. Yeah, no, of course. And I would say we'll, we'll see it more in the off-season as well, but I'd imagine there's an outside chance of us looking at Filippo 
given the current offensive struggles and confusion that's happening in the Eagles organization about whether or not he might try and look at a return there back to the quarterback where he was able to get good success with who probably needs a bit of a hand at the moment in how they have been performing we'll move on to some of the injuries we had a couple of season enders uh, this week so Denver wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders has torn his Achilles and he is gone for the season and New York Giants safety Laden Collins has injured his shoulder and he's also gone for the season he's also becoming a free agent this season so uh, that might be interesting also LA Rams running back uh, Malcolm Brown has done his clavicle uh, so he's at least gone for the rest of the regular season but probably the postseason as well so I suppose out of these ones it's hard to say what the, what the big push is here like backup running back for LA Rams isn't that big a position no. Manuel Sanders going down hurts that Denver team who are trying to push for a wild card spot but realistically they're getting more time with their rookies and they seem to be getting some production out of them although it is it is a thing where this offense was essentially running through him and through their their young undrafted rookie running back so this is going to hurt them in the stretch especially given they've also had those injuries the last couple of weeks to their defensive players do we think these are going to have an impact on the postseason at all no yeah. <laughs> like it, it does in the sense that the Denver Broncos aren't going to be there this and the loss of Chris Harris last week and the loss that they had this week it's just mm-hmm. a stake uh, to the heart for their chances that were kind of coming up to hype uh, over the last month or so which now are quickly going back into the grave yeah no of course a couple of other injuries Kansas City's wide receiver Tyreek Hill injured his heel his wrist and I believe his shoulder as well in the game on Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens still had a great game but uh, he's now listed as day to day word out of the camp at the moment is very positive that they reckon he'll be around for Thursday but if not um, we will be discussing later on we've got our, our whole uh, whole new big pile of wide receiver coming in to join the team who could come in and be <laughs> pretty much the anti Tyree kills so that'll be good fun uh, Tennessee's offensive tackle Jack Conklin has injured his knee he's gone for a few weeks but might be available for the playoffs if they make it and Dallas's offensive guard Zach Martin has an MCL sprain and he will be week to week uh, there's a few others that are outside of the uh, outside of the playoff pictures so that's LaShawn McCoy is day to day Jordan Reed is week to week and Corey Clements is week to week as well as uh Boston Scott is now coming in off the New Orleans practice squad to try and make up for that Philadelphia team which seems to be going nowhere. So what do we make of these ones? Any of these going to have a big impact? I remember the Boston Scott hype train. We Boston. didn't until you mentioned it. Yeah, Boston, Boston Scott hype train. Uh, week four of preseason to week four of preseason. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> Tyreek Hill, if he misses time, obviously big, huge Thursday night game against yeah. the, the Chargers. That makes a huge difference at offense, as we saw this mm-hmm. week. So I'm sure you're praying that the, the positivity is justified here. That's yeah. how Eric Berry, oh, he, he'll be, he's definitely ready this week. Yeah, that's yeah. what happened. This is the problem. When you hear day-to-day from the Kansas City Chiefs, it worries you. Because <laughs> Eric Berry's been day-to-day for about a year and a half now. The guard injury for Dallas could be a bit of a bit of a problem. Zach Martin is quite key to what they do on offense. Dallas are pretty much safe now that they've beaten the Eagles this week. So they should be okay if he makes it to the playoffs. Yeah, so thankfully not too much in the injury section this week. Uh, so that's that's fine. We'll move on to controversy corner. Leonard Fournette's in trouble for threatening a fan. Apparently he did so after usage of a racial slur. So the team are not going to discipline him, which I think is fair enough if that's the case. I presume they'll do a quick investigation to see if that was the case. But yeah. Yeah, they'll ask his college teammates if uh, he's seen this hype. Yeah, <laughs> it appears to be the uh, the way things are done now. Yeah, it does it does, it does a little bit, but yeah, so not like for at least he's having a bit of an old um, 
feisty season, shall we say. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um, to be honest, that whole team is a little bit of a... I don't blame him, though. The fan was being racist. Like, oh, yeah, 100%. Crime and punishment. Basically, Brandon Barner was given an eight-year sentence for attempted murder of, I believe it was his ex-girlfriend? Like... Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's a dick. He's a, a piece of shit. Yeah, so uh, good yep. stuff. Yep. Off to prison with him. Long snapper Kyle Nelson. This is brilliant. Long snapper Kyle Nelson has been suspended for 10 games for violating the PED policy. Those are some long fucking snaps that he's doing if he's just juicing himself Ten games also implies that this is not a first offence. Yeah, this has to be a (laughs) second (laughs) offence. It's like four four games for the first one, ten for the second. But often like this case where people will get like a warning on the first. So this could be a third attack. Like this is... He must be the world's most jacked long snapper. (laughs) You know who I think is going to get popped for peds at some point? Aldrich Rosas. Oh, like, he's yeah. a kicker. Like, kickers should not be that. Like, he's massive. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, man, nah, man, nah, nah, you're f- nah, <laughs> not a kicker. And uh, similarly, uh, linebacker Darren Lee has been suspended without pay for four games for violating the uh, policy and program for substances of abuse. So, are any of these? I'd love to see Kyle Nelson being suspended. <laughs> being, it's a huge impact on the game. Connor, yeah. what, what, what team does Kyle Nelson play for? Yeah, exactly. I Buffalo? Know. I have no idea. The 49ers. 49ers. There you go. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. Fair enough. But uh, it actually don't matter because we don't talk about those teams at all. No, we yeah. don't care. We just won't. don't care. Uh, some couple of trades, extensions, and stuff. So Washington have signed uh, quarterback Josh Johnson, <laughs> who is now the starting quarterback, and also defensive end Marcus Smith. Yeah, this is just continuing a woeful, woeful pile of shite that's going on with the Mazungus at the moment. So they have decided, like, oh no, we don't want to take Kaepernick because he doesn't have experience of a West Coast system, except that's the only fucking system he's ever played in. Uh, he doesn't. He wouldn't be able to step in as a backup for Alex Smith, even though he was Alex Smith's backup and replaced him <laughs> and went to the Super Bowl. Like, they said, well, no, I think it's just that um, that uh, Sanchez, you know, he really understands the offense. They had to run fifteen plays because that was the extent of the offense that he grasps in that period. Like. I'm not gonna lie. Like, if nothing else, this is this slam dunks Kaepernick's like God, case, doesn't it? That you now want to sign Josh Johnson, who was I think currently preparing for an AAF league team to play in San Diego, something along those lines. Back in yeah, San Diego, yeah, boys. Uh, he was the number one overall pick in the AAFL draft. Yeah. <laughs> How bad is the AAFL? Apparently the, apparently the way it works is like you get three top picks and you can either use them to protect a player that's already on your team oh, or to claim the rights for someone else. So you can literally just keep swapping players. Speaking of ridiculous them. leagues, uh, the, the uh, XFL, which is apparently going ahead, the, the venues and team for the teams mm. are leaked. And what I didn't really care about, what did, do you know who the commissioner of the XFL is? Who? Stone Cold Steve Austin. No, I wish. Oh, damn it. It's uh, Oliver Luck. Oliver Luck. Andrew Luck's father. Oh, really? Former Houston Oilers quarterback. That's yeah. Because I saw, um, if any of our listeners are particularly interested in getting involved in football professionally, they are currently accepting <laughs> applications online uh, to become part of the administrative staff, the back-end team staff. You can also apply for coaching positions and playing positions in the XFL at the moment. Oh, so, well, uh, Hugh Jackson's found his new yes. landing spot. <laughs> so, so get on there. Kansas City have signed wide receiver Kelvin Benjamin following his Buffalo release. This... Comes as a, like, <laughs> is that his like attempt to get off the line of scrimmage? The Buffalo release? <laughs> yeah, the Buffalo release. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, that's, that's why yeah, Andy Reid thought he was legitimately just signing a buffalo. Yeah. I've heard it mentioned that he only signed because he thought it was a shortened version of KFC, but you know, there's lots, yeah. of, lots of ones like that too. Uh, to be honest, I quite like the signing. Uh, I was actually expecting him to land in Pittsburgh because he costs absolutely nothing. He's done at the end of the season. We have the spare space on our roster, and he's six foot five and can be a red zone target. Like he. Ca- Counterpoint. Yeah, everything. Buffalo would have had a better passing rating by not throwing the ball, by kneeling the ball every time you threw the. Yes, but that is also true of all of you Nathan all, Peterman's games. You already have Demetrius Harris. You don't need another receiver who can't catch the ball. Oh, no. It's very do. important to note that Kelvin Benjamin has many talents. Not only can he not catch, he can't run, he can't get separation. Yeah. He can't be bothered turning up. Like, I, I get where you're coming from and I get the positivity as a Kansas City fan, but, like, Kelvin Benjamin is garbage. Look, my my approach is he costs nothing. There's absolutely nothing at risk for it. You say that until Mahomes gets intercepted three times, targeting him. No, because he just won't target him if he's not good enough to be on the field. Like, it's that simple. Like, I, 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 because there's more. There's more. There's more than twenty two players on our roster. Why don't they fucking sign you then? Well, because he's got more chance of the six foot five dude than they do me no, you, surviving. You, you, you see, low man wins, yeah. Connor. Low man wins. Higher Connor because he'd like steal Patrick Mahomes' jock strap. <laughs> <laughs> Very true, and just try oh, and clone him. Um, but yeah, no, just over. Like I, 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 our front office is a big thing about like taking failed previous first round picks and seeing what they can get out of them, see if they can turn them around or not. I believe that led to the entire Matt Castle era. But it's also led to like some of our starting guard or like our starting guard that we took from the Browns, a couple of other players as well. Why is Cameron Irvin like, actually playing well for you guys? Yeah, oh, he's wow, playing he's very garbage, well. Sure um but like this is the thing they, they like to go and just see what they can get out of these ones. Like it could be nothing but honestly God I just think it's just like no there's no cost to this at all because there's spare slots sitting there. Yeah, and you might like that there's a good chance you'll have like a week 16 or week 17 game where we literally want to just play backups yeah so you, need, you don't want to risk like Chris Conley so you play <laughs> exactly as I, as I said this this was the this was the mystery wide receiver signing that I said was going to be the opposite of Tyree Kill so uh, yeah. Denver have signed cornerback uh, Jamar Taylor after the Chris Harris injury uh, wide receiver Andre Holmes after the Sanders injury and Buffalo released him these are kind of just fill-in spots. Mm-hmm. Other bits from around the news. Heisman Trophy winner, quarterback Kyle Murray, has decided he's not going to play football professionally. He's going to go to baseball. Yeah, he's projected... He was projected to go somewhere between the first and third rounds. Considered an NFL talent, but a bit undersized. Do oh, th- I misread that as he was undersized for baseball. And I was trying to work out how you can be no. undersized for baseball. <laughs> <laughs> he can't like jump that high. Like. He's like 5'9". Yeah. For a small quarterback level, it's pretty small. That's yeah. very small. Uh, what's interesting, though, is if anyone decides to pick up uh, his rights in a late round or something like that. I think in the NFL, you only get it for one year. And I think he may have to, if he doesn't declare, because he's underclassman, he, they can't get him anyway. But there's a bit of speculation about what might happen uh, for like Megatron type uh Trading rights when they're retired, type bullshit. Yeah, it's very nineteen eighties, though, isn't it? Like, it is. Yeah, like it's it's it, it's how it works in the CFL the whole time, isn't it? That they sign the rights to players, so if someone comes up, they have to. Well, they do it in, in, in baseball. Actually, does it a lot as well. They've got like a bajillion rounds in their drafts. Like Tom Brady and Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. all these people are te- were technically drafted by baseball teams, well, just in case. Yeah, yeah. Because I saw I saw a few bits like that there. Because isn't it normally can't they come out earlier into the baseball thing? So. There's a question of, like they can they could come out a year earlier to join professional baseball than the NFL if they wanted or something. Possibly, I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, baseball is just like there's like multiple levels. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I, I I've never 
understood. I also never really understood. Tim Tebow thing. plays professional baseball now. Yeah, right? very poorly. Well, he played professional football very poorly. I think, I, think, I think he actually played football better than he played baseball. Uh, oh, like, unless he's improved since, because I saw, I, like, cause I don't really watch baseball, I saw a couple of clips of him and I was like, ooh, that's not great. Other fun bits from around the league. Tom Brady has taken the most total touchdown record regular season and playoffs from Peyton Manning with 579. Well done, Tom. At the same he time, broke a 1,000 yards uh, rushing the other week, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He's on the roll. Uh, but the thing is, well, he's yeah. already broken that this year, and then he lost it again because of the kneel down. So then he broke it again this year. So he's and then uh, an aggressive kneel down. Yeah, the super aggressive kneel yeah, down. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not losing this thousand yards. He's a competitor. My personal favorite thing at the moment is everyone referring to him as uh, TB1K, which is uh, <laughs> just fantastic. Also, like all the arguing online that he should have won Ground Player of the of the yeah, week. Absolutely, <laughs> fantastic. NFL needs to do more memes. Aaron Rodgers then took the most pass attempts with an interception record off Brady. He has uh, 359. Taysom Hill became the first quarterback to block a punt in NFL history. It's a bit of a stretch to call him a quarterback, isn't well, he's it? He's listed as a quarterback. God, yeah, he lines up as is a he, quarterback. Is he a quarterback than Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen? This is the future, Connor. Except for Pat Mahomes, who is the actual. So. <laughs> I was going to say, like, like I'm sure technically uh, Don Terry Poe could be classified as a quarterback then because he <laughs> actually he, he scored a passing and a rushing touchdown. Like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Taysom Hill first quarterback to block a punt, and Cleveland are not the last team in the AFC North for the first time since December 2014. Congratulations to Hugh Jackson for leading two teams to be last in the AFC oh, North. That's this impressive, season. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and the only other thing we just saw was uh, some people. Uh, we've got a question coming in about this, and we will will respond to it then. But uh, Joe Philbin loosened up all his challenges in about <laughs> in the first quarter of a game, and then was not allowed to challenge from that point on. How was it? Was he just overexcited to be back? Like, so was it like two minutes into the game or something? Yeah, it was thirteen thirty-seven on the clock, <laughs> uh, which spells kind of elite if you look at it a certain way. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. true yeah it does uh, well done Joe good to have you back we will, we'll respond to that in the questions section but uh, yeah we're going to move on to have a look at some of the games from last week so we had a couple of good games this week up in the ring of honour is uh, New England at Miami 34-33 Miami uh, this was an absolutely excellent game to watch not sure so than I thought it was just memes about it being a, a, a close game normally but this was actually very very uh, good Incredible ending to the game, obviously, with the, uh, I believe it's called the, the Miracle in Miami at the moment, where uh, they had lateral plays and Kenyon Drake managing to, to take it around the corner to beat uh, Gronkowski, who was in in the back, back section as part of the hands team for the assumed Hail Mary. There's question marks over why, with that distance to go, they had a hands team for a Hail Mary in, given the injury to the quarterback and how unlikely it was for them to be throwing that far. But uh, this was a game where both teams were going toe-to-toe. I think the first match between these two teams where both had three touchdowns in the first uh, half. Just very exciting. Uh, Tannehill looked quite good, 256 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, they got some good performances on the ground. There was a couple of shaky moments from New England in this. Uh, Tom Brady had a couple of sloppy moments with a sack to miss out on a field goal at the end of the first quarter. And a couple of just bad mental errors happening here and there but we know that this is one of the only spots that seems to always catch this New England team is travelling down to Miami and not being able to was it stand the heat or whatever the the, the terminology that's normally used in here. So, Harry, obviously we were kind of half expecting this to happen, as we always joke about it. But watching this performance, what were your takeaways from New England? Because it wasn't just that, you know, they weren't in the game. There was actual 
kind of mistakes made and strategic errors being made as well. It's the National Football League. No one died. I'm <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> Out of Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, this was this was a weird game. Um, these tend to be. I do think it's very on brand for Miami that like what is essentially a fucking meaningless game becomes a miracle. But whatever. That's mm. the Sad. Still um, in the wild card hunt. Yeah, so they can get annihilated by whatever shit team wins the AFC North again. Yeah, look, this was just a weird game. Like, Brady had a good game. The offense looked quite good. The defense looked terrible. Uh, the, the, the final, like, it was sloppy. I think you're right. And I think it was just one of those games where all those little things that go wrong kind of coalesce into one game and just become a giant shit show, really. Mm-hmm. Like, missed kicks happen. Quarterbacks taking sacks where they aren't meant to happen the, 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 the play on the final lateral play which was just a moment of stupidity from the, the corner where it seems to go the interception then hold off on the tackle like Drake should have been wrapped up almost immediately sorry not Drake the first player who caught the ball should have been wrapped yeah. up almost immediately that, even that play was just incredibly sloppy in its execution and there was a the broken defense. tackle as well well I, mean, I wouldn't call it a broken tackle I mean, Carl Van Noy kind of took the fit sort of yeah. fumbled the back him, yeah. of yeah he didn't really get make good contact can't really, can't really call it a broken tackle that was just a linebacker not being fucking fast enough so just a lot of those things happening in one game make it look a lot worse than it was. But, like, like the Pats often losing Miami. I, I struggle to, to, to view that as being anything other than just a collection of aberrations. We know this New England team is not that good. Like, as in, it's it's good, but it's not the world-beating New England mm-hmm. that we... Well, world-beating old playing America. You know what I mean? Oh, don't don't doubt they'd be, like, the Japanese national they team or whatever. Would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want Bama! They, yeah, so, like, I mean, it's just one of those ones where it's like, look, we know New England this year are kind of... A bit all over the place, particularly on defense, and we saw that. Um, credit to the Miami team that like seems to be just in- inconsistently sometimes quite good this season. This was a game, obviously, that they wanted to to win, meaningful in the division. They seem, you know, they always play hard at this time of year when the Pats go down there. But like, I think Belichick is right in a way. It is the National Football League. It was just a game where a load of shit went wrong, and you have to assume that ninety nine times out of a hundred. Not all of those things will go wrong. One of those things will break your way, and you'll win the game. Mm-hmm. As opposed to something where they all break in the other direction and you don't win the game now that is the kind of thing where you see that happen in the playoffs obviously it's a lot more serious than if it happens just in a what is effectively a, a New England have basically won this division mm-hmm. barring something really weird happening so yeah I'm, I'm not too concerned about it I don't think it tells us anything we didn't already know yeah fair enough uh, it was one of those ones though if, they, if this had been the other way around for them it was a great week for them to kind of make up a lot of ground to locking up that bye week option with the Pittsburgh Steelers losing and the Texans dropping a game as well Uh, Ronan when we look at this Miami defence they held up quite well here and they were getting a bit of pressure throughout like I, I still struggle to look at this Miami team as a playoff team but if they are to be able to make it, it's going to be by being able to use this defense and being able to rely on Kenyon Drake to get some stuff done and Tannehill looking a bit more like this. They're, they're a different team with Tannehill, or at least in this game they are. So is the defense something that can help them push through into that sixth seed, maybe? They're in the hunt there. I think the other teams around them, there's none of them that you're like, oh, they'll definitely you know win out. Like the Baltimore Ravens are probably the best team, but they have a tough down-the-stretch uh, series of games. The Colts are out there. Tennessee are out there. Like, could Miami sneak it? Possibly. Like, it's been a weird season for Miami overall. Like, you think back to the first game, it was like that eight-hour game against Tennessee due to the giant <laughs> delay which it managed to win. You think, like, that like 90-yard reception to Albert Wilson? Yeah. Right? Uh, they've played Brock Osweiler this season. It's just been really weird. And, like, the defense has probably been the one thing which has just been generally kind of average solid. 
Like, Xavier Howard, I think, was missing for most of this game, but has been good overall. But they managed to do well without him, and they had other players step up, which was nice to see, I think, for that team. And I think, like, for Miami, yeah, a lot of things had to go their way. And they did and I, and they did a lot of stuff that was kind of weird. Uh, but, you know, like, at the end of the day, if your quarterback is, is efficient, uh, which is kind of the Adam Gase playbook, and your defense is okay, you can win games, especially if you're willing to do it in the most trolly way possible uh, with the Miami Miracle in Miami. But also, shout out to Brandon Bolden with his two touchdowns. Yeah. Our team, <laughs> the third string running back. Uh, getting it into Bill Belichick. I just think Bill Belichick was kind of like, every time it cut to him, he's just like, what is happening down here? I never want to come to Miami ever again. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not retiring here if I ever retire. I did not actually, it's because of the heat there, it's one of the other games where like he, he doesn't wear the hoodie or anything, so like maybe that's what's throwing him off, that he's just like, God, this these T-shirt yeah. is far <laughs> too comfortable and breezy. I'm not liking it. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things like, yeah, like I think Adam Gase had a bit of fun with this game in terms of the bold and stuff it's, at least I kind of feel and Adam Gase needs all the happiness he can do and if they got a playoff bird it probably wouldn't go anywhere but hey like just it'd be nice to have I suppose as it's the traditional AFC AFC East spare team in the playoffs getting knocked out in the wildcard round yeah let's keep it going maybe no of course uh, next up in the neutral zone we just kind of Type 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 push between this and the other one for the ring of honor, but uh, Baltimore Kansas City twenty four to twenty seven overtime to Kansas City. Baltimore's defense came to play, gave Mahomes a huge amount to try and handle. Lots of very interesting looks and aggressive blitz packages that threw them off for a good bit of the game. Uh, Lamar Jackson also had a very like well, it's a very Lamar Jackson performance, but it was a very effective <laughs> performance. Uh, one hundred and forty seven yards passing, 70, 74 yards rushing. Somehow, like was able to keep them moving. They were just incredibly run heavy for most of the game, and it was whenever they were forced to pass that they started to see holes appearing. There was a beautiful section. I think it was the third drive of the game where I was screaming at my television for Bob Sutton to make a goddamn adjustment because they ran it down the middle ten times in a row, and we spent the entire time with two high safeties for no discernible reason they're not trying to trick you Bob <laughs> they don't have it uh, but yeah like the Kansas City Chiefs defence stepped it up they made some adjustments and the second half in particular looked a lot stronger and in the overtime they were able to shut them down uh, this was a very exciting performance in part especially towards the back end by Pat Mahomes obviously you'll have seen videos of the, the no look pass and stuff the running around for his absolute life and then flinging it for 48 yards to Tyreek Hill when Tyreek Hill only had one functional leg it was uh, overall very fun but like it took everything in Kansas City's playbook to pull this off like on the scoring drive to tie up at the tail end they had to convert on two fourth downs and score on a fourth down to, uh, to actually yeah. get there uh, this, was, this was an impressive game that gave me absolute heart attack but this Baltimore team looks like the kind of team that can trouble any offense in this league. Do you reckon they might actually? Because I'm, I'm starting to come around to the idea that they're going to take the AFC North. Yeah, like I think with the way Pittsburgh is playing, which we'll get onto soon. Certainly, I think they're a stronger, more balanced team than Pittsburgh right now. Even if they lack maybe the top level talent uh, that Pittsburgh has in certain positions. Like I think for them right now. There's currently a lot of debate, and John Harbaugh's kind of being kind of a bit coy about the Lamar Jackson versus Joe Flacco situation, because Joe Flacco's expected to be available uh, down the stretch of the next three games, and whether they start mixing it up with but with Joe Flacco being Plan B instead of Lamar Jackson, in contrast to earlier on the season. Bring Joe but, Flacco on to throw a pass. Yeah, like we know what Lamar Jackson is. It really isn't that hard to scheme against what he's going to do, in the sense that you should at least have a game plan ready for that. 
And the fact that the Chiefs kind of really shut him down in the second half shows that just don't play too high safety. Cincinnati got burned the first week he played on him. Then uh, other teams have kind of gone, wait, actually, that's stupid. Just, like, do some research. He's going to run. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but on the defense, which I think is the strength that we saw here, like, what they're running right now is obviously they have a lot of veterans, which gives them opportunity to run a much more complex scheme. And you really see in the NFL because NFL teams right now rely on a lot of youngsters usually, and for that reason they tend to uh, have quite simple schemes. Like Seattle, it's, it's a very good uh, uh, progenitor of that idea, uh, but Baltimore, they're obviously going against the grain and they go, no, we have people like Suggs, uh, we, we have people like Mosley, we can run a complex scheme, we can run these disguise pressures, we can run these blitzes, and we, we can trust on the back end, we can cover up for that, and of course against someone who's as magic as Mahomes, it ended up not being enough in the end, uh, but I think against any other offensive, any other quarterback, except perhaps Drew Brees, it, it would have been enough, and it's just a situation that... Uh, yeah, like I think it's a really balanced team. They'll obviously make a lot of work for them. Mm. And if they get into uh, the playoffs, yeah, I don't think this is a team that, uh, I know it's cliche, but no one will want to play at that point. No, of course. Uh, Kansas City's defense, as we mentioned, kind of started to pick it up a bit towards the back end, which is interesting because normally it's the run game that absolutely destroys us, but they were able to make adjustments maybe because there was the no most... game. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe because it was mostly only one game. But that was... That, that, that definitely helped. But so the Chris Jones has now got the record for the uh, longest streak of games with uh, sacks in them at nine. And I think next week he can then take the overall record that includes playoffs and cross-season se- cross, uh, cross ones, which would be, which would be good. Uh, we saw performances out of Houston. We saw pressures coming off to Ford as well. And we even saw plays off the corners, even if a number of them were literally dropped interceptions that could have won the game and let me have my heart back a little bit earlier like the defense is looking a bit better and obviously the the, the offense has been looking very very sharp uh, as of late if everything runs through kansas city it's going to be a very tough run for anyone coming into play yeah it is i mean this team is really good i mean i'm i don't know how much i read into the defense against lamar jackson and this very college shall hmm. we say offense but we, we know that. We've seen that this season. The only way to beat Kansas City is to just score more fucking points than them, which not many teams are equipped to do. And it's going to be a tough one for people to go there. This is likely going to be the number one seed. They're going to have home field advantage the whole way through. We know Arrowhead is not the most welcoming place to go and play. And it feels like this team is probably not... Well, it feels like, you never know, but this team feels a little less psychologically fragile, perhaps, than mm-hmm. some of the other ones, given the way they're playing. Some of the past teams, obviously, that, yeah. that have made the playoffs. I can't see this team... Losing to an AFC South opponent, any famous last words? Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? football is easy. Yeah, football is easy. Yeah, like yeah, no, this is like this is really exciting. Like it's, it's they're a fun team, they're a good mm. team. Um, you do wonder though, like again, it's who comes out of the NFC is going to be the real. Like I mean, this this team has to be very heavily favored to go to the Super Bowl. And it's like really the only thing that you that's going to knock them off is either the Pats, if the Pats can get their shit together for 10 minutes, which mm. seems to be inconsistent. That's it on the AFC side, unless this team like absolutely shits the bed against somebody rubbish. Yeah. Like It's very difficult to see who stops them. And then it's a case of, right, is it going to be the Saints? Is it going to be the Rams? Well, that's a different different mm. story. But right now, it's very hard to look past this team as being an AFC champion, uh, elect almost. Oh yeah, like the 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 of of the teams that are there that are kind of looking at obviously the Pats if they can come through would 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 be one that you'd be considering. One that I've just kind of I've got that feeling that they could cause hassle if they get in is the Colts. I'd like I don't I don't fully trust their overall <laughs> roster, but like 
Like, this is the thing, like, Andrew Luck has the ability to actually put up those crazy numbers. Yeah, he also has the ability to zero points against Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, yes, I know, but, like, come on. Everyone has a bad day from time to time. This is, sorry, bad day. This is like a bad This is like me going to an office job and committing genocide. That's like the equivalent of what Andrew Luck did. Mahomes scored zero touchdowns when we played the Jets. Sometimes their defense can step up. Zero Uh, points. Yeah, zero points is a bit of a difference. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) but yeah, we'll see. Because, like, they're they're the kind of ones I could see could cause issues of, like, just become, uh, like, could go toe-to-toe in a a scoring match Mm, kind of thing. But, uh... Connor just doesn't want to pick on that scar tissue, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, but this is the thing with what you were saying about the psychologically fragile thing of like, yeah, I, I, I can see, I can see this team like getting up, then falling behind, and you're like, fuck it, this is fine, we'll do it again. Like, we, like we fell behind against the Pats, and we ran that one very close and stuff. Like, it was, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a different setup, so that'll be fun. Uh, finally, the dumpster fire. Good God, Pittsburgh at Oakland, twenty-one to twenty-four. This was a phenomenal end to a game. Uh, <laughs> Maybe not a phenomenal game throughout. Uh, Oakland looked pretty decent. Uh, they're a bit pass heavy. Jared Cook was getting getting played a huge amount in this game. Some defensive plays working for them as well. Like it's hard to always look at these games because traditionally Pittsburgh played down to their opponents and they were on the road and stuff. But like this was. It's also had like this had Big Ben was out for half of this game with an injury that he was then able to come back on and play after like and he he jogged over to the sidelines with a hat on in the middle of a drive when they had a break and then when questioned about it afterwards Tomlin came out and said oh yeah Ben could have hopped in then but we just didn't want to break the flow what fucking flow are you talking about well they've also changed their story a few times I think it was I think. At this point, it's also oh, we have to wait for the painkillers to kick in before we let him in. Oh, yeah. safe as well. Bloody horse, like and sure. like injuries and Big Ben are just like an ephemeral concept that don't make any sense. Yeah, like this was this was a spot where and then so so Oakland then pull ahead. Uh, Big Ben comes back into the game for Pittsburgh. It was a very, very nice, I think it was like 78-yard uh, touchdown drive for them to get back into the game. Excellent stuff. Oakland come back down, pull themselves ahead. Looks just like they're done for, and then pull a kind of hook-and-ladder type play out of a Juju Smith-Schuster over on the left, uh, left-hand side, making it all the way down for a Chris Boswell last-minute field goal for them to tie it up, and oh, no, wait, no, he misses. Made an absolute hames of it, and Pittsburgh... Slipped. Slipped on that big Slipped ball. on the dirty turf. And that was not the first instance of that happening during the day because when their player had to get his cleats swapped out after slipping earlier on in the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The turf was the true MVP of this game. Oh, 100%. But yeah, this was this was just a mess on both sides. This Pittsburgh team has all the talent in the world and I'm sure if Ben was in it for the whole thing, they probably would have won this game. But this doesn't really look like a threatening kind of playoff team. And they have to go, I think... To the Pats and to the Saints in the la- in the last two weeks or in the last three weeks. Oh, what's that? Pittsburgh Kemp beats a shit team played like shit again. Like, oh, they're not going to be the Pats or the Saints because they never will. Like, but this is Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like they'll tear teams apart and then they will absolutely crap the bed. And this was just it again. Like the the missed kick. Okay, you know, fair enough. Kicker slips. That happens. That's not really within anybody's control. But again, this was another really sloppy. Display like Pittsburgh should be good enough to very easily dispatch a team like the Oakland Raiders. That's not really up for debate. And as it is, they just... And this is what happened. I'll tell you exactly what happened, right? 
And it's the same thing that Kansas City noticed this year, that New England first noticed, which is that if you put a tight end with the number 87 on the pitch, Pittsburgh will not cover him. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Jared Cook got like a million yards. But this thing, Pittsburgh's defensive scheme, teams know how to beat it by now. And, and it's if you do have a decent tight end, yeah, okay, fine, we can beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's what Oakland did. Like, there's a real inability to adjust in this team both offensively and defensively and I think we saw that again this is a team that they should absolutely handle but this Pittsburgh team was figured out like five years ago and that's why you can your talent can only get you so far at a certain point you will get out coached and being out coached by John Gruden at this stage is absolutely bloody embarrassing mm. but that's exactly what happened Pittsburgh have their frailties, have their problems, but there's a lack of inventiveness about this team at the moment. I don't mean the individuals are going to ladder play is very exciting, but like the overall way they play games, people know exactly what they're getting with the Pittsburgh Steelers and decent coaches, or, or, or John Gruden apparently, are able to exploit it fairly easily and we saw it again. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, like Oakland obviously this is a good win for them, although it moves them further away from the first overall pick. So this is the thing, like I got to I got to cheer for like <laughs> Pittsburgh losing on Oakland getting worse draft picks. So I'm hundred percent behind that idea. But uh like is there is there positives to be taking from this about pieces they can build around? This was definitely the best game that cars had outside like well it was, it was pretty good last week as well, stat line wise. But like does this give you hope for the future in Oakland? Or is this just literally a kind of, well, this is what happens when you get to spend most of the game at home playing against a backup quarterback? Yeah, like I think, like, as you mentioned... Oh, without their starting running back as well, yeah. Yeah, like, a lot of things went in their favour here to get this, but, like, we saw in the Kansas City game last week that they do seem to be turning into the, you know, at least a, a, a decent imitation of a functioning football team compared to where they were earlier on this season. The weird thing about this team is that, yes, they're kind of coming into form and John Gruden is perhaps getting used to being a football coach again. Uh, but then you look throughout their entire roster and remember that they have three first-round picks. You're like, how many of these players are going to be here next year? Uh, or is John Gruden just going to get three first-round picks and then not play them and instead play like Jonathan Hankins and Jared Cook <laughs> and like Jordy Nelson and Doug Martin? <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking... Like, well, Coney Ely and whatever. Like, just these, like, series of veterans and stuff. Like, we saw in the fucking safety with, like, Reggie Nelson. He finally managed to stop playing him and play Carl Joseph and Reggie McKenzie. Mm. So, it's... I think the fact that they're playing well, at least is an indication that John Gruden has found his mojo to a certain extent, or at least found its feet. But will this team in any way indicate what they'll do in the future? Probably not. Uh, It just means that every year with the Oakland Raiders will be a whole new roller coaster adventure and it's nice to see that the end of this roller coaster is ending with a few more exciting games not just blowouts all the time no of course and this obviously also signaled the AFC West sweep of Pittsburgh this year la 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 Pittsburgh and so with that we're going to move on to some of the questions from you the listeners Okay, okay, so the first question comes in from Emish, and he says, is there a agreed spelling for the Washington Mazungus? S-H-I-T-E would probably be the one. But so so, so for, for, for any, anyone who uh, who's more recent to the show and doesn't know where this actually came from, Mazungu is a term that I heard quite a lot when I was over in Africa because it's what they refer to white people pejoratively as. And we thought, given that the Washington racists, and we were basically, we spent a while like beeping the Washington name and then just coming up with random ones like calling them the racists or whatever. And we thought, no, this is a nice one. We'll just call them the Mazungus for a while. So I believe the one that we're going with is M-Z-U-N-G-U. But I have seen other ones like M-I-Z-O-N-G-U-S or M-I-Z-I-N-G-O-S. For for those who remember way back 
back in the day, we had a little discovery that the, the plural of Mazungus, we say Mazungus, um, I think we discussed on a podcast like years ago, when yeah. we first met, is Wazungu. Wazungu, um, yeah. But we decided that was just way too confusing. Yeah, because then we're like, oh, is this a different team? Ooh, yeah. Who knows? Um, we, we can't trust uh, Americans to understand African languages. No, <laughs> and yeah, we probably can't trust ourselves to either. We could, we could just accidentally be calling them like shelving units or something, we wouldn't know. Like, Actually, what's the Swahili for shelving unit? I have no Swahili. idea. Give me a minute. <laughs> We'll come up with that and that can maybe be our replacement term for the Titans until they become an interesting ah. football team. Uh, I'm totally in favour of that. Yeah, the next one comes in from James C and he says, could you not just give Kittle five yards in the second half? Ah, yeah, so this is because uh, tight end for the 49ers, uh, Kittle, uh, in the first half of the game had 210 yards. The record for the most yards in a single game by a tight end is held by Shannon Sharp, and it's 214 yards from 2002. So all he needed was four yards tight and five yards to, uh, to, to surpass it. It's somehow uh, 210 yards in the first half, and I know they were kind of defending a lead and probably just very run heavy and not doing much would you not just set up like a little bubble screen or a quick out or something for him and get him the five yards because it'd be a nice little story I, I'm, I'm with that idea I can't have a glory boy while the team is struggling can't have a glory boy I don't know yeah. but like but they were winning the game quite easily at that point they were ahead and handling it can't have a glory boy <laughs> Anyway, so. Football guy. Yeah, because I, because I, I know we had this a couple of years back. I think when Jamal Char- Charles was, yeah, was record. going for the single game touchdown Sorry, record against the Raiders, and uh, they decided to take him out for most of the fourth the same quarter. Thing with Nick Foles. But they had the, um, but they had the agreement that uh, if they got down to the goal line, they were going to put him back in for the carries to try and get it just for himself. Because uh, the other thing is. He, most of these players have incentives and things like that built into their contracts for it. Now, he, he currently now has the record for the team and he also has the, uh, does the I think, season record for the team because he's now at 1,100, only, only behind Kelsey. I probably Kelsey. safely say that George Kittle has exceeded whatever. <laughs> whatever the expectations. he has in his contract. <laughs> no, um, brother lads, I can confirm that the Tennessee Titans are now known as the Tennessee Rafu Yakitengos. Ah, oh, right. Katengo, that's interesting. Because Katenge is the... Type of the, the the fabric stuff. So that's okay. an interesting. Uh, let me just let me just translate this backwards. Hang on, let me just see what this <laughs> actually means. Because um, I don't trust Google Translate all that much. Okay, so while you're at that, I'll light up the last question. So this is one we actually we mentioned a little unit bit. Unit shelf. Close unit enough. shelf. That's Close fine. enough. Oh, that's an absolute rafu. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, so this this vital question uh, comes in from Mike, and he says, uh, "Rafa was the part that means shelf." <laughs> it's a, oh, what an absolute shelf! Um, so absolute tango, then. I guess. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Uh, yeah, so uh, the question is: Should we reform the approach to challenges given how it went for Joe Philbin? Well, I think how it went for Joe Philbin is fitting, right? That's that's I'm fine with that. But what I would be thinking is that maybe we should be looking at a potential reform of the challenges in them. So as it stands, you can challenge and you will lose a, uh, a timeout if your challenge is unsuccessful. If it is successful, you maintain the challenge, but you still only have a maximum of three, I think, in an entire game, which does cause a lot of issues if you have someone who has to use up challenges early in the game. If it's a particularly poorly ref game, and let's be honest, we've had numerous games this year where we've had to complain about terrible refereeing. Like, surely if you make a challenge and the challenge is successful, it should just oh. go back into the pocket. Joe Philbin will challenge. <laughs> Joe Philbin was off. Will, no, he unsuccessfully challenged twice, so he wouldn't get those challenges. Back. No, no, because you don't get them back if you're wrong, but you get them back yeah, if you're I right. I think they should. I think it's infinite challenges for Joe Philbin. 
Oh, God. <laughs> that game will still be going on. It will beat the one that was delayed by the thunderstorm for the longest game. If it's your first game, maybe you get bored. <laughs> like, to just, just be aware, like, the, the big problem with this is that there's two types of coach this would be awful for. A, the really petty coaches. Like, probably something like Rex Ryan would be like, I will just take a challenge every time, please. And then you just know that someone like Bill Belichick would find some tricky way to make this into, like, thing. you'd be like, oh, my player, like, Instead of having a player fake an injury, um, uh, he could have just throw a challenge fly, and then oh well, now we can change our defensive formation on, on the fly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's like some coaches are so awful, and some coaches are too good to really move beyond. It's working okay right now. Yeah, we'll see because there's there's a wide discussion. We'll probably have it over the off season about things that are reviewable and things that are not, and that being an issue in and of itself as well. But I, uh, now maybe this is me, but like I struggle to particularly care insofar as that like referees make mistakes and it fucking sucks. But like it all balances out really. It can do, but it it, it, it just sometimes it seems weird that like if you if you if you provide the mechanism, (laughs) but like but but it is that thing of like sometimes you look and you go well if there's a clearly wrong decision or something in the field and they go well that's not reviewable whereas other things are. Like it, it can be, but it can also be incredibly infuriating. I think. Yeah, but I mean, think if I think about what the fun we'd have of like you know. That Cleveland Browns fumble from the other season had been accurately reviewed. In fact, they did review that. I don't know what they're fucking doing. Mm. Um, see, video video technology isn't isn't infallible. No, of course um, not. But, but like, I, I think, think it's fine. I just I just I think the the risk the risk you run there is that it makes it does make the game unwatchable mm. if coaches abuse it. And it's the same in every sport with challenges in cricket, in tennis, where challenges are given to a team or an individual player. If it's an individual sport, they have to be limited to avoid abuse. And I think Rowan yeah. is exactly correct on that so I, I just I think this is so far down the list of priorities I think what you said what can be reviewed is I think a much more interesting and pressing question yeah and we'll probably have a chat about that during the off season anyway but uh, yeah we'll move on and have a look at the picks for next week so first up we have my game of the week unsurprisingly uh, the LA Chargers coming into the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night football we've gone for the Chiefs across the board uh, this is a huge game the LA Chargers are only a game back in the AFC race now, the Chiefs won their first meeting when they were away, so they are currently ahead. Yes, and look, for, for, for those of those who can't see us because it is a podcast medium, uh, Ronan is giving inverted commas away <laughs> to the LA Chargers uh, because, yeah, let's be honest, that was like 70% Chiefs fans at that game. Yeah, this should be a very, very exciting game. Uh, the Chargers are in good form at the moment, playing quite well. I didn't think they did a great job last week, but like that was, that was a sick... They do have a kicker, a kicker who is roided to the fucking gills at the moment. Didn't they find him in Canada or something weird? Possibly. Or they, they found him down the local CrossFit, maybe. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on to the preview. Uh, on to the preview, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, like basically, as we said, Kansas City, top offense at the moment, defense rounding into a bit of form at home. This will lock up the division for them if they get this win. Uh, it'll also almost certainly seal a home field advantage, although we'll need one more win to guarantee that, I think. Although that's it for us to, to not get it would take a multitude of numerous results to happen around the league. So well, everything takes a multitude of numerous results to happen if you think about it, Conor, on the Atropic no, scale. No, no. It's, it's, if well, it's just one thing, if it's just... Win or lose this game, that's one thing. Okay, this is nice. I mean, mm. Kansas City are already in the position they're in because of a multitude of games they won throughout. That's the true, I suppose. Everything. I suppose this is a very interesting philosophical <laughs> discussion about the nature of, the nature of uh, yeah, like how how independent is all uh, choice making? Uh, Do we have a choice? Is this all preordained? <laughs> oh, I think I think Harry's recently started watching The Good Place. Oh, no. <laughs> 
But yeah, so basically, like, very, very good team in LA Chargers, very, very good team in Kansas City Chiefs. Both have some injury worries at the moment coming in off short weeks into a Thursday night game. It's at home for the Chiefs. Should be great fun. I am expecting great things, but I'm also not going to be able to stay up for it, I don't think. So what I might do is I might try and do, like, a early early sleeps on Thursday and get up and watch the second half of it or something. And then, like, I don't know. But the problem that is, is if it goes well, I'll be too pumped up to go to bed. And if it goes badly, I'll be too sad to go to bed. Tell your tell your public sector employees, the employers, that you were on a tea break or something. Yeah, something along those lines would be fine. But yeah, exciting game then. Houston at New York Jets. Uh, we've got for Houston across the board. Fitz. Yeah, like the Jets got a win basically with Sam Darnold back in the game. But Sam Darnold's hobbling around. He's pretty much just been done in there because they want to see him. Whereas Houston, they disappointed me after I finally picked them against last week as a hero pick. But uh, they should have enough talent to take on a pretty talent-deficient Jets team. Yeah. Even away from home. Yeah, the Jets just seem to be trying out a couple of players to see who they want to keep on the roster next year rather than anything else. Cleveland at Denver up next. You guys have gone for Cleveland. I've gone for Denver. Harry? Very close to picking Denver on this one, but uh, with all the injuries and how bad they look this week, um, Cleveland, I think, are a team that are really, like, turning the court. Playoff turn relevant the court to Cleveland Browns. Oh, yeah, playoff relevant Cleveland Browns. Uh, called it at the start of the season. No, uh, they're... Yeah, not like this. Oh, God, not like, not like this. this. Yeah, like, I think Cleveland are fun. They look good. They've got... Ta- well, they don't look good. They look a lot better. They've certainly got talent. Denver look like after a real push, they seem to just run out of steam a little bit at this mm. stage. And I think, obviously, the, the loss they suffered and the injuries they've suffered have been pretty demoralizing. Whereas Cleveland are just sort of at this scene bopping around having a bit of fun, really. And I think just given the circumstances there, and I'd lean towards Cleveland having enough talent to uh, to take this one. Yep, I was going with both teams are fairly mediocre to poor at the moment, and Denver are at home. Uh, Arizona Atlanta, this football game is happening. Uh, we've gone for Atlanta across the board because uh, Arizona are terrible, Atlanta aren't much better, but they are really better, and they're at home. <laughs> Oakland at Cincinnati. Uh, I've gone for Oakland. Fitz has gone for Oakland, and Harry's gone for Cincinnati. Ronan, quick. Like they're both inexplicable teams who are bad. Cincinnati played okay last week. Oakland won a game last week. So who cares? But Oakland, because maybe they're going to just win a few games because they can. Cincinnati have some better players, but Oakland show that they can beat teams with backup quarterbacks in place. And this time they'll get them for a full game. Uh, Oakland Raiders had a heart. (laughs) (laughs) Football in the groin. Football Football in the groin. Miami at Minnesota. I've gone for Miami and you two have gone for Minnesota. Harry? Yeah, um, this was again, this is one I was kind of close on. And then I remember the Miami Dolphins actually suck, except when they're playing the Patriots this time of year in 100 degree heat. So, yeah, I just, I still don't think this Dolphins team is very good. I think this Minnesota team, I've been saying this a few weeks, is also not very good. But I think they are more talented. And maybe this firing of DiFilippo will make the offense fire a bit more. I don't know. I just have no faith in Miami, even though they won. Uh, Miami have a ever so slight winning record, which means Kirk Cousins cannot defeat them. Uh, <laughs> Also, 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 Tannehill is playing for his job. Uh, Dallas at Indianapolis. We've gone for India across the board. Ronan, this is your pick of the week. Yeah, like, I think it's an interesting game between two teams. Uh, with Dallas almost certainly in the playoffs now after defeating the Philadelphia Eagles last week. Indianapolis, they're right in the hunt along with the Ravens and Titans and potentially Denver and a few other teams to, to get a playoff spot. Indianapolis, they got a huge win against the Texans after getting blanked by the Jaguars week before. So they're a bit unreliable and unpredictable right now. But right now we know what they are. They're Andrew Luck playing out of his skin, especially with T.Y. Hilton, and their defense being pretty okay, usually, with Darius Leonard, probably defensive rookie of the year, uh, doing that stuff. 
Dallas, on the other hand, maybe they have a little less to play for. But we know what their plan is. Run the ball with Ezekiel Elliott and then uh, throw down to Amari Cooper a bit. And on defence, their defence has been really good. But we've seen that against that Texans team, like the like they just can do stuff against good offense, good defenses. So like I think it should be a close game. But I think the fact that Dallas basically have the playoffs sewn up might mean they play a little less intense than they might have otherwise. Uh, and I think the Colts can take it at home because of that. Uh, I just think like the Colts have to win this and. Andrew Luck will show up and score lots of points to make that so. Tampa Bay at Baltimore. We've gone for Baltimore across the uh, road. Basically, yeah, Baltimore looked very good. Tampa Bay. This is actually this is interesting. This is the meeting of the best and worst defenses in the NFL, isn't it? Yeah. Very yeah, exciting. So, so Tampa Bay's actually been better recently. Uh, but this could be the return of James Winston, the pick monster, uh, after a few weeks of tidy football. Many, many picks, perhaps, for James Winston for old time's sake. Yeah, good fun. Uh, how, many, how many times have they swapped quarterback in this? It's like three interceptions, benched, three interceptions, benched, three interceptions, benched. We get onto like a practice squad player? I don't, I think, think, I don't think you can bring up a practice squad player during a game, Connor. Who knows? <laughs> the Bucks are going to find out. Yeah. Winston, take off that uniform. Give it to the practice squad player. We need to sneak him on. Yeah, they never know. The practice squad card throws a lot of picks. They almost assume it's James Winston, right? Yeah. It's genius. Sorry, coach, I'm just doing that so they don't uh, catch us out. Uh, <laughs> Detroit and Buffalo. Uh, I've gone Detroit. Fitz has gone Buffalo. Harry's gone Detroit. This game is a thing. Yeah, let's not discuss it. Yeah, let's not. Uh, that's going to be awful. Green Bay, Chicago. We've gone for Chicago across the board. Yeah, Chicago looking good. Green Bay looking choppy. This Bears defense is very good at the moment. Uh, this is almost certainly where that stream of passes without an interception is going to end I'd say but yeah like Green Bay have talent but they're just not really there at all uh, I don't trust can't, can't get intercepted if you troll out of bounds so there you go make you think <laughs> <laughs> okay so just not complete a pass in the game <laughs> keep the streak alive I love it yeah next up Washington at Jacksonville oh bit a big move we've all gone for Jacksonville Fitz oh Jesus uh... <laughs> Cody Kessler versus Josh Johnson. Oh, what's going to happen? Uh, look, basically, it, 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 this is actually ironically kind of picks up where we were with like the Mizungus earlier in the season where they can't get a changeover in this game. I think if Jacksonville get an early lead using Leonard Fournette, they'll win this game easily. It's only if it turns into a complete dumpster fire, which is very possible that the Mizungus have any chance. But we have no idea what Josh Johnson is because he hasn't played in two years, like Colin Kaepernick, but he's different. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? Also, also, like I, I got to imagine that the Jacksonville run game is going to be good because if we look at the news stories that were coming out there, like as far as I understand it, Fournette does not do well with racial slurs, so he's going to want to take it to them. <laughs> he's like one eight charity or something. <laughs> uh, Tennessee one thousand and twenty fourth, I believe, is now the standard for U.S. political discourse. Ten- Tennessee, the New York Giants have gone for the Giants across the board, Harry. Yeah, I, oh, uh, this is another game I just don't really care about. The Giants seem to have again found a bit of late season. Ah, fuck it, let's just have a bit of fun. Football, mm. the Titans are this slow dirge, quietly collapse. Although, Derek Henry, I don't know, man. Yeah, I fucking hate the Titans. I don't want to talk about Derek the Titans. Henry or no interest, don't care. Not the Titans. Fuck the Titans, Giants. <laughs> Fair enough. According to last week, Derek Henry's a better running back than Saquon Barkley. So. Mm. Big sample ah, size. Ah, yes, it's the, 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 the classic Key and Dicker approach to football where yeah. time doesn't exist more than seven days previous. Uh, Seattle at San Francisco. Oh, Jesus, Fitz. You're going to cost yourselves the postseason here. Uh, no, no, I think like if there's a big enough margin. No, no, no. See, we've gone for Seattle across the board here. And <laughs> as we've seen, uh, when Fitz picks Seattle, they lose. And when he picks against them, they win. So, oh, well. Uh, yeah, basically, San Francisco... 
they have they have a good tight end. They have a fucking roid monster of a long snapper who's not allowed to play. Oh, he's gonna. That's what they're not gonna. They're not gonna. They're not gonna pass, the, the center's gonna snap it back to the long snapper. He's, he's gonna, gonna bomb it down. That's technically legal. I suppose, yeah. Nothing. Nothing saying you can't throw through your legs. <laughs> nothing saying a dog can't play football. <laughs> well, he's right. There's nothing in the rules. Touchdown, uh, Airbud. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is this is a game. Uh, Seattle should win this without any hassle, realistically. Uh, don't fuck it up. Uh, New England of Pittsburgh. This is Harry's pick of the week. They've all gone for New England. Yep. Yes, because New England lost to Pittsburgh. This is this is the game. Pittsburgh need to win this. New England supposed to technically kind of do as well. If Miami, but unlikely. Um, yeah, this is just this is just an important game. Like I think New England are going to be able to win it fairly comfortably because they always beat Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh couldn't skin them out of a wet paper bag at the moment. But this is this is just so important. This is the essentially if, if Pittsburgh lose this and uh, Baltimore um, win, which we expect they do, given they're playing the box, I believe that will switch their positions in the race for the AFC North. Um, and I think this is also the kind of thing where if if because Pittsburgh has to play the Saints still as well, I think this this year, like this should essentially decide who wins the AFC North. If Pittsburgh can somehow pull off an upset here, they will probably do it they won't do it will probably be Baltimore so yeah I'm interested to see how they turn up what kind of approaches they take to this game whether or not they try to make any adjustments based on how they play although I find it very unlikely and for New England I think it is important to show that they can knock off a contender team after what have been let's be honest fairly ropey and inconsistent few weeks for the Pats Um, the loss to Miami like I said you know it's all things that go wrong but it's also fucking Miami like it's not a good team that all this is happening you shouldn't be in that position so uh, yeah I, I I think we'll, we'll. I don't think we'll learn a lot from this game, but I think it will set the tone and the shape going into the playoffs in terms of not only the impact it has on the race because these are two teams very much in the race playing each other, but also who wins that division, who ends up playing who, and this this could this could potentially be depending on how things fall. This could even end up being a, a, a matchup in the divisional round or something. So yeah, yeah, certainly want to keep an eye on. And these games, New England against Pittsburgh, are usually fun as well. And not just you know Pittsburgh's scheme is terrible. New England's defensive personnel is terrible. Mm. Um, so expect a lot of a lot of the yards in this one, and at least three fake big bed injuries. Yeah, yeah. Why not? It's like, you know, like, do you think he's like he was just really into James Brown when he was younger? And you know how like James Brown used to like fall down after a thing, and, like think he was hurt, get carried off with like the with the jacket around the end. It's like no way. I gotta do one more song and like to like go back out. It's like, oh, the crowd, they love me. Um, to be honest, though, if if his theatrics this week proved anything, he gave them long enough to see they don't have a they don't have a replacement quarterback in house yet at the moment. Anyway, no matter what you want to think about it. And uh, next up is Philly at the LA Rams. You got for the Rams across the board. Fitz. Yeah, the Philadelphia Eagles don't have a secondary, and the Rams are pretty good at passing the ball, so that will probably be decisive uh, in this game. Mm. And the Eagles' sad season will continue. I'm just confused why you specified secondary. You pretty much could have said about any part of the football team. No, their, their secondary is particularly bad mm. because every secondary player is injured and they're relying on street free agents. Yeah, I, that was, it was a joke. Harry right? Cooper it was just got like how many yards? God, 187 or something like that. Yeah. Darren Sproles is back though. Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah, he juked Leighton Vanderash out of his shoes. It was like, what? Oh, oh, yeah, I saw that one. That was great. I feel he will score points. Yeah, he definitely should have scored that touchdown. Mm. They have, this, is, this will be kind of hopefully a, a, a get-right game for the Rams because they have been ropey for the last few weeks since coming off by on offense. Just nothing has been firing correctly at all for them. And finally, New Orleans at Carolina. We've gone from New Orleans across the board. I was almost tempted to take Carolina in this one because uh, New Orleans have also looked ropey for the last couple of weeks. But... 
let's be honest, Carolina team is just so up and down. New Orleans are making a strive towards, they need, they need to keep up pace to make sure they ensure themselves a bye going into the postseason and some home field advantage there because they are a much better team at home than they are on the road. Hence the slight worry when they're heading over to Carolina, but it should be all right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and like Cam Newton's playing hurt and it's having a major effect, like they're bringing in Heineke uh, to do their long passes now mm. for Hail Mary. So like Cam Newton's incredibly limited and it's really hurting them on offense. Yeah. Uh, unless Christian McCaffrey literally can get 300 yards, they don't have a chance here to be honest. I wouldn't put it past him to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say as well though, like this would be very important because I think if they lose this one, it's essentially Carolina eliminated at that point, which I think would be key because they need to like realistically they need to stop playing Cam and let him go and get that surgery on his arm and stop just playing. Uh, it. The sixth seed is going to be really derpy in the, in the NFC because it's like them, the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings, the Zungus, the Eagles—they're all derping so hard right now that. Eight wins might be enough. Like I don't know. It's just it's just that thing of like you're hamstringing yourself further down the line if you keep playing. It's like you can see the difference between Cam at the start of the game and Cam in the third and fourth quarter. That like he is not match ready to be doing a full. And God help him if they go to fucking overtime. Like like basically, I'm just saying like the team that does roll in at the number six seed in the NFC is likely to just like like Um, slump over. Guys, the city of Oakland is suing the Raiders. Oh, very good. (laughs) And the NFL and all the other teams. Really? Antitrust lawsuit, yeah. Fair enough. Oh, this was, they probably saw, uh, I don't know if you guys saw it last week, uh, that uh, the Rams paid out $24 million in a settlement. Was to this the, the PSL? Fuckery, yeah, to yeah. The, 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 the private seat license. And that was just the first part of, I think there's two or three other lawsuits coming from like the city area and stuff towards them. So I imagine this is probably just following the same suit that now the guys are definitely gone. But Stan Crook, he's like a billionaire like whatever uh, whereas yeah. it might be a bit like uh, guys could you help me out please yeah if, if, if you want to know whether or not the Raiders have the money to pay and settle these type of lawsuits just look at the haircut that their owner has <laughs> well, they spend his money at P.F. Chang's uh, <laughs> and, John mm. <laughs> and John Gruden's P.F. Chang's and John Gruden's <laughs> yeah I was about to say like like the, what Mark Davis' personal fortune is what I got 500 million which is a lot of money but that's like only five John Gruden's mm. Yeah, but I believe a lot of that's tied in the Raiders. So. Yes. Yeah, because I think uh, I think I think they leave a lot of the money is generated in that entity as well. So yeah. he doesn't. Yeah. Dan Crookie owns several teams and is an independent billionaire. Yeah, uh, and a complete. Dick. Yeah, I I'm not really used to this like shocking world where Stan Crookie's teams are good. <laughs> Weird. Any other <laughs> any other crack with yourselves? Any plans for the rest of the week, etc. I am Steve. finished at work on Friday. Oh wow! Ooh. Finished early. Christmas party well I'm taking a week off from holidays so. very nice very nice work. so yeah, work party on Friday then finish up and then uh, head back to cabin soon enough after that very good very good up to feed up and enjoy that new fibre broadband that they have in cabin now. excellent excellent oh. after all of your phone calls to air to try and get it sorted <laughs> um, yeah no I've got flats and I'm getting the um, stuff for the presentation to the Gov done uh, some work bits like and then uh, going to try and watch some f- oh, Balls, I've just realised that presentation's on Monday morning, isn't it? Because I want to go out and watch all the football on Sunday. <laughs> get it done on Saturday. No, no, as in, no, as in I have to give the presentation on Monday morning. That's fine. 
Mila uh, can't go and get hammered drunk watching football. He can. He shouldn't, but he can. <laughs> what are yourself, Harry? Are you work finally going to slow down for you for a bit? I'm off for a few days. Excellent. Uh, and yeah, usually things slow down the next two weeks, but I am working the whole way through, so... Recharge them batteries before the Christmas oh, God, push. So. Well, no, Christmas is usually really quiet because everyone's away from mm. the client and everyone is away from the client's clients. So what normally happens is either their stuff is fixed in advance or they go off on holiday and then we'll come back in the first week of January like, hey, why did nothing work? Excellent. Anyway, this podcast has taken way too long. I'm going to sleep. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so, so as we always, hit us up for questions online, wherever you want to find us. Just, uh, but yeah, so it's bye from myself, bye from Harry. Goodbye. Bye from Ronan. Bye. He's been all four quarters. Thanks so much for listening. We'll chat to you next week.